Hello, this is Gary Hutchins with the Sunny Slope Church of Christ in Omaha, Nebraska. Welcome to our Wednesday night Bible class. We're podcasting a Bible class for Wednesday night for those who are not able to be with us at the church building at Sunny Slope Church of Christ, and for those who are listening, listening in other parts of the country and literally around the world. We're thankful that you are there, and we're thankful that we are having the ability, that we have the ability, the means, and the opportunity to reach out on such a widespread basis through these podcasts over the internet all around the world to everybody who wants to study God's word with us. That is a blessing. We do not take that lightly. It's not just filling a time slot. It is a mission or a ministry that we take very seriously. We want to help people come closer to God by helping them grow in their faith. In some cases, develop their faith from scratch. Faith comes by hearing the word of God, Romans 10 and verse 17. Faith does not just happen. It's not mysterious. It's not mystical. It's not magical. It's not something that we catch like we would catch a cold or a flu or something like that. It is something that develops as we get into God's word, understand it, believe it, and then start to make the proper applications. That's where faith comes from. That's how it is developed within an individual. God does not bestow faith upon some people and then withhold it from others. That's not the kind of God God is. God loves everybody. He calls everybody to come to him through Jesus Christ. Jesus said in Matthew 11 and verse 28, Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest for your souls. God calls us through the gospel message that Jesus Christ brought into this world, the message of salvation. Romans 1 and verse 16 says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. That is the message to everybody. God wants everybody to be with him for all of eternity in heaven. He calls us through that gospel message, the message that Jesus brought into this world for everybody, but it is up to each one of us individually to develop our faith and to come to him in faith and obedience. We're thankful that we can help you along that line. We encourage you to share these studies with everybody you can. You can do that through text messages, Facebook friends, maybe other technological means. But undoubtedly, you know people in your life who need to change their thinking, their focus. They need to start thinking about their relationship with God, about their souls, about eternity. Help them by sharing these studies with them. You can do that easily, again, through text messages, Facebook friends, maybe some other technological means. But share with your family members, friends, work associates, neighbors, with everybody you can. What a great blessing to help somebody get to heaven by helping them to get into God's word and grow their faith and thereby help them come to God. But that's also a great blessing for you. So share today. We're going to get back into our study from 1 Peter chapter 3. Now, before we do, I encourage you to go to our website if you not, have not already done so. But if you have, encourage everybody you can to go to our website at churchofchrist.com, churchofchrist.com. Scroll down the home page to our podcast button, click on that, and sign up for our podcasting. It is free, and it will always be free. 
We're not after people's wallets. We want to help people get to heaven. When somebody signs up for our podcasting, they will automatically receive to their smart device, whichever one they choose, their smartphone, computer, laptop, tablet, pad, whatever, automatically they will receive our Wednesday night Bible class, our Sunday morning Bible class, all of our sermons, our daily radio program, Monday through Friday, Search the Scriptures, and also a great seven-day-a-week daily short about a 13-minute Bible study that we call today's Bible class. All of that will automatically go to their smart device, and it will always be free. What a great blessing to be able to get into God's Word again on such a ready basis all over the world through this means of technology. Wow, how blessed we are. It was not always that way in our word, in our world to be able to reach out so on such a widespread basis so easily teaching God's Word. But today, it is. We're thankful for that. Now again, we're going to get back into our study from 1 Peter. We've spent some time in this third chapter. We've gone about six verses into it because it really has covered some very well, could I say extremely relevant to our particular moment in time, (laughs) situation, or culture in our country and around the world. But we live here in this nation, so we really can relate to what's going on in our country, in our culture. So we've talked about the relationship between husbands and wives as taught in the scriptures. Now, we as human beings we want to do things our way. We want to make things easy and compatible according to our feelings. God gives us the right way. He gives us the objective standards that come through his wisdom, his knowledge, his guidance. He knows what is best for us. We mess things up when we turn away from God's way and try to substitute our own way. We're just not that, that smart. <laughs> God knows a whole lot better than we do what is the right way for us to live. And he knows what is the right way for us to conduct ourselves as husbands and wives in our marriage relationships. So in verse 1 of chapter 3, he addressed first the wives through the apostle Peter, writing by inspiration from God, God's very word. Wives, likewise, be submissive to your own husbands, that even if some do not obey the word, they, without a word, may be won by the conduct of their wives. When they observe your chaste conduct accompanied by fear, do not let your adornment be merely outward, arranging the hair, wearing gold, or putting on fine apparel. Rather, let it be the hidden person of the heart, within the incorruptible beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is very precious in the sight of God. For in this manner, in former times, the holy women who trusted in God also adorned themselves, being submissive to their own husbands, as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, whose daughters you are if you do good and are not afraid with any terror. Well, again, this is God's wisdom guiding us through his word. 
we would have a whole lot of people objecting to the very first verse there. In fact, the very first statement in verse 1 of 1 Peter chapter 3. Wives, likewise, be submissive to your own husbands. They'd say, oh, no, no, no. I'm just as good as any man. I'm not going to be submissive to any man. See, they, they misunderstand the thrust of what Peter is getting across here. It's not the idea that the wife is inferior to her husband or that the husband is superior to his wife. It's the idea of God-given roles in the marriage relationship. You go to work every day. You are under the supervision of a supervisor, a manager, a boss, an owner, whatever his particular title or her particular title might be, and you understand you have to be submissive to their guiding, to their guidance, to their leadership, to their instructions. It does not make you inferior to them, and it does not make them superior to you. In essence, it simply is a situation wherein you recognize your role within that job situation and their role within that job situation. Well, marriage, well, you could think about it as being a job because there's work to be done in any marriage on an ongoing basis, but that's not the, the concept of the relationship as God designed it. Marriage is a loving, mutually supporting and encouraging, very supportive kind of relationship between a man and a woman who have made up their minds, I, I don't want to live without you anymore. I want to be with you for the rest of my life. I want us to be joined together in marriage as husband and wife. And I want us together to raise children, to begin our family. But in that relationship, God has also given us roles. And he tells the woman, well, be submissive to your husband, not inferior, not his being looked upon by you as being superior, but rather recognize your role as God has given it and designed it and accept that role. Now, husbands, you recognize your role as husband. In verse 7, husbands likewise dwell with them with understanding, giving honor to the wife as to the weaker vessel. Weaker vessel, how? Is that demeaning to a woman? Absolutely not. Again, we, in our culture, we're trying. There, there, there are forces out there who are trying to blend together the sexes, the male and the female, and somehow make them absolutely the same in everybody's mindset. That is absolutely absurd. We are not the same. All you have to do is look at us physiologically and recognize God has designed us different. We're different physiologically. Women have babies. Men cannot. But women cannot have babies without men. That's how God designed it. It makes sense. Also, generally, now I know there are some exceptions here and there, but generally speaking, we see the male as the bigger, stronger, more muscular, and we see the woman as the more feminine, smaller, and more attractive as, as a woman. 
in her womanhood. That's obvious again. She has physiological uh, parts that are different from men's physiological parts, both internally and externally. To try to deny those or to try to just brush them aside and say, doesn't make any difference, again, is absurd. It's medically absurd, it's psychologically absurd, and it's emotionally absurd. But now also, women and men, as I put it, are wired differently. <laughs> their brains, their emotions, their psychology, it, they're wired differently. They respond to things in different ways. Now again, not one being better than the other one, not one being worse than the other one, just different. We are different. Different hormones between the women and the men. And those are there for a reason. And they have an, an, an obvious effect upon us. Husbands likewise dwell with them with understanding, giving honor to the wife. Don't forget that word honor or that phrase, giving honor to the wife. That precedes as to the weaker vessel. That's not demeaning the woman in the marriage relationship. It's recognizing a physiological fact. You, in other words, husbands, you take care of her. You support her. You protect her. As to the weaker vessel and, and as being heirs together, heirs together of the grace of life. The grace of life? Well, ultimately we're talking about eternal life in heaven. But certainly being heirs together of the grace of the life of a husband and wife in a marriage relationship as God has designed it to be. That's a very special, a very unique relationship. One that, that is unique in the benefits, the blessings, the closeness, the identity, in the very relationship itself. It's unique among all other relationships. And God has designed blessings within that unique relationship that are not found in any other relationship. And then that last part of verse 7, 1 Peter chapter 3, that your prayers may not be hindered. Whose prayers? The husband's and the wife's prayers. You see, when you go all the way back to Genesis chapter 2, when God designed and instituted the marriage relationship, he said something very important as to that design, as to his purpose for designing the marriage relationship as he did. In verse 24 of Genesis chapter 2, he said, Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. They're going to become one in identity, basically. Now, will they still have a separate, separate and somewhat independent identity as a man, as a woman, as a husband, as a wife, as a father, as a mother? Well, of course. But they're giving up that absolutely independent individual identity to become one with one another. 
to be husband and wife, to be a marriage. So when Peter writes, husbands love, husbands likewise dwell with them with understanding, giving honor to the wife as to the weaker vessel, you take care of her, you protect her, you provide for her, and as being heirs together of the grace of life that your prayers may not be hindered. How you treat your wife, how you treat your husband, is going to have an effect upon where you're going to end up eternally. There can be people who absolutely are adamant in their belief in God, in their belief in Christ. They may be at church services every single time the doors are opened, but they're, they, don't, they don't treat their, their husband or their wife properly. They don't revere them as they should. They don't support them as they should. They're mean to each other. Well, even though they have absolute faith in God and faith in Christ, they may find themselves in eternal condemnation in hell for eternity because they did not fulfill their marriage relationship, that responsibility properly. They were ungodly in that relationship. That your prayers may not be hindered, heirs together of the grace of life. We need to take great care in the dating process because, as I keep trying to tell people, you're almost certainly going to marry someone you date. So before you ever date somebody, you check them out. Now, that doesn't mean you, you go up to them and start pulling out a checklist and say, uh, tell me, do you believe this, or do you do this, or what do you think about that, or are you involved in this? But in your head, you need to know what you're looking for. In a mate, in a husband, in a wife, and foundational, fundamental, in that mental checklist should be, I'm looking for a Christian mate. I'm looking for a Christian mate. In 2 Corinthians chapter 6, the Apostle Paul wrote in verse 14, do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship has righteousness with unrighteousness, and what communion has light with darkness? I know, and I've known people all my life who have been married to people who were not in union with them in their Christian belief. Sometimes it's a Christian woman, she marries a non-Christian man. Sometimes it's a Christian man, he marries a non-Christian woman. Sometimes that works out, ultimately, and the non-Christian mate becomes a Christian along the way. I've seen that happen a number of times. But I've also seen it happen where the Christian mate becomes unfaithful. They fall away from faithfulness after having married or been with a non-Christian, one who is not following God's ways as laid out in the scriptures. Paul says he warns against that seat, again, that unique relationship that is marriage. A husband has incredible influence potentially upon his wife 
and vice versa, the wife has incredible influence upon her husband, potentially. It's a whole lot easier to pull somebody down than it is to lift somebody up. Before a couple get married, they ought to have their spiritual life set set in stone, basically. Now you say, but I love her. I love him. You need to look down the road. The Apostle Paul wrote in Ephesians that we're to walk circumspectly through life as Christians. And that is the idea of being extra, extra careful in our foresight, in our decisions, looking ahead not only to the next step and its consequences that that next step might take in our life, but the step after that and the step after that and the step after that. I've said many times, a girl who is dating a guy or a man who is, or a woman who is dating a man who is disrespectful toward her, calls her mean names, maybe physically abuses her, don't think that's going to get better after you get married. It's likely to become worse. Don't marry that man. The same thing is true in the inverse. A man who is dating a woman who is disrespectful of him, who calls him mean names, is openly disrespectful in different ways, including physically, well, don't expect her to improve after you get married. Don't marry her. Now, that may sound harsh to some people. I'm just talking about what's going to happen down the road. It's almost certainly going to get worse, and that marriage will probably fall apart. You don't want that. So, again, that mental and spiritually focused checklist Make sure as much as you can that that person you're dating is going to be the kind of person that you would like to spend the rest of your life with. Now, I know when you're 17 or 18, you know, that's going to be somewhat iffy. You're going to say, well, I'm I'm not, I haven't got it all down in my head yet. Well, start getting it down in your head. But be careful, be thoughtful, be prayerful in the dating relationship because almost certainly you're going to marry someone whom you date. Is that man going to help you get to heaven? Is that woman going to help you get to heaven? Or are you going to have to get to heaven in spite of him or her? Is that man or that woman going to help your children get to heaven? Give them the godly leadership and guidance that God designed for parents to have in the, in the family? Or are your children going to have to get to heaven in spite of her or him? Remember what Peter wrote again. As being heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers may not be hindered. Now when we look at the Apostle Paul's treatise on marriage, in Ephesians chapter 5, he goes into great detail, and I believe we've looked at this earlier when we were focusing in the first 
five verses or six verses as Peter was addressing the woman in the relationship. Well, here, Paul looks at both the husbands and the wives. Now, in verse 22, just as Peter laid out, basically, wives submit to your husbands as to the Lord. Now, he uses Christ as our example, Christ being the head of the, the, the I'm sorry, the Christ being the head of the church, and the imagery is, is of his being the groom, and we as Christians making up the church as being the bride. But he's talking about marriage here. He's using that as an example or an illustration that we can relate to in teaching about Christ in the church. And so he says, wives, submit to, to your own husbands as to the Lord. But then he says in verse 23 of Ephesians chapter 5, for the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, and he is the savior of the body. Now, understand exactly what Peter said and what Paul is saying when they talk about the God-given role of the husband being the leader, the head of the home, that carries responsibility, tremendous responsibility on the shoulders of the, of the husband. Again, girls, ladies, don't marry some guy who cannot bear that responsibility. And it should be obvious whether or not he can and would as you're going through that dating process. In verse 25, husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her. So here the apostle Paul lays out, husbands, you love your wife enough to die for her because Jesus died for the, for the church that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the blood. Well, again, husbands are to nurture, care for, count precious, support, protect, take care of their wife. In verse 28, so husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies. She has become a part of you. You need to love her like your own body. He who loves his wife loves himself. No one ever hated his own body, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as the Lord does the church. Oh, the Lord loves the church deeply. You need to love your wife deeply. You need to nourish her, cherish her, and let her know that you love her that much. She ought to be able to see it in the way that you conduct yourself around her and the way that you demonstrate just in a regular, common fashion, daily, you love her that much. In verse 33, nevertheless, let each one of you in particular so love his own wife as himself. Reemphasizes it. You see, it's a serious role to be a husband. Just as serious as it is to be a wife. And we need to respect those God-given roles. God knows what is best for us. We'll move into verse 8 next time. I know we're taking some time with this particular context of Scripture, but it is so important 
And our culture in our country today has so devastatingly messed up and destroyed the home. And the home begins with husband and wife. We need to go back to what the Bible says. We need to recognize and respect God's wisdom and guidance as to being husbands and wives. We need to lose this foolhardy and self-destructive notion, not a notion, a mindset, that men and women could live together as though they were married without ever getting married, raising children without ever being married. That is the pathway to self-destruction for themselves, individually, for their relationship, and also, and tragically, self-destruction for their children. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for blessing us with marriage, that relationship that is so unique, so special, so precious. Help us to study your word and learn how you designed marriage to be. And help us, Father, to embrace that and cherish that relationship, that design from your almighty mind. And bless us in our marriages, please, we pray. And bless our children through our marriages. Guide us to always live individually and as married couples and as a home to your glory. Please forgive us, gracious Father, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.